0: My name is Keith, and this is my church, and I'll be reading Psalm 102. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. For my days pass away like smoke, and my bones burn like a furnace. My heart is struck down like grass and has withered. I forget to eat my bread. Because of my loud groaning, my bones cling to my flesh. I am like a desert owl of the wilderness, like an owl of the waste places. I lie awake. I am a lonely sparrow on the housetop. All the day my enemies taunt me. Those who deride me use my name for a curse for I eat ashes like bread and mingle tears with my drink because of your indignation and anger for you have taken me up and thrown me down my days are like an evening shadow I wither away like grass but you O Lord are enthroned forever you are remembered throughout all generations you will arise and have pity on Zion it is time to favor her The appointed time has come, for your servants hold her stones dear and have pity on her dust. Nations will fear the name of the Lord, and all the kings of the earth will fear your glory. For the Lord builds up Zion, he appears in his glory. He regards the prayer of the destitute and does not despise their prayer. Let this be recorded for a generation to come so that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord, that he looked down from his holy height. From heaven the Lord looked at the earth to hear the groans of the prisoners, to set free those who are doomed to die, that they may declare in Zion the name of the Lord, and in Jerusalem his praise. When peoples gather together and kingdoms to worship the Lord, He has broken my strength in mid-course. He has shortened my days. O my God, I say, take me not away in the midst of my days. You, whose years endure throughout all generations. Of old, you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you are the same and your years have no end the children of your servants shall dwell secure the offspring shall be established before you
1: everybody good morning and uh, welcome to christ community chapel i'm really really glad that you are here uh, welcome those of you at our east service those of you tuning in online uh, welcome all right, well, last week I told you of something that's going to happen this fall. We are uh, launching a Thursday night worship service in the fall. It will be just like this service, the West service, and then we'll have full kids' ministry. Uh, all the ministries right now that happen midweek, that happen on Wednesday, will move to Thursday. So women's Bible study will be on Thursday night. Men's fraternity will be on Thursday night. Uh, reimagined class, grandparents ministry, theology class, all those things. And the reason that we're offering a Thursday night worship service is for people who cannot worship on a weekend for one reason or another. So if you have friends or family that work on the weekends or whose kids are in activities that keep them away and busy on the weekends, then Thursday night is their night. So I want you to start uh, thinking and praying about the people you might invite to Thursday night worship. We are kicking it off on September 14th. It will be great. All right? Just wanted to remind you of that. Uh, We are continuing our series in the Psalms, and we are at Psalm 102. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Psalm 102. If you have a tablet, you can open that up to it, or your phone, or if you're going to use one of our Bibles in the pews here in the sanctuary over in the back of East Hall, it's on page 496. 496. All right. Um, No, it's on page 469. All right. Well, you'll find it. Uh, Psalm 102 is a tough one. I'm going to be honest. Like last week, was Psalm 96. That was a good one. Psalm 96, you know there are subtitles for some psalms. The subtitle for uh, Psalm 96 was this, worship in the splendor of holiness. You know, last week we talked about recognizing God's greatness and saying, whoa, We talked about how we worship by singing, by telling of our salvation, declaring his glory to the nations, by giving, bringing an offering because we give to those things we value. That was a a fun sermon to preach. This one, not so much. If you listen to it, this is a subtitle for uh, Psalm 102. A prayer of one afflicted when he is faint and pours out his complaint before the Lord. A prayer of one afflicted when he is faint and pours out his complaint before the Lord. But I will tell you this, this week's important. Maybe even more important than last week. Uh, one of uh, the writers that I really like, an author that I like, is a guy named Philip Yancey. I have liked him ever since I read his first book, Disappointment with God. Disappointment with God. I read that after my little brother died and I was disappointed and I needed someone to help me say it out loud and then walk with me through that process and Philip Yancey was one of my guides. But on the flyleaf of his book, he dedicates it to his brother and it says simply this, to my brother who is still disappointed, to my brother who is still disappointed. You know, earlier this week, I was talking about this psalm to my daughter, Becca, and I was telling her what a, downer, what a downer it was, and I read her some of the verses. I said, you know, listen to this. It says, for my days pass away like smoke, my, burn, my bones burn like a furnace, my heart is struck down like grass, and as withered, I forget to eat my bread. Because of my loud groaning, my bones cling to my flesh. And she said, but dad, that's going to be really important. I was going, what, why do you say that? And she said, because all the people that I know who have uh, walked away from their faith have done so because they can't process pain very well. They, They do what the psalmist is doing here, but they don't end up where the psalmist ends up. They don't stay with their faith. So maybe this is the psalm where you can explain to people how to hang on to their faith in the midst of pain. And she's right. You know, one of the things I love about the Bible is the Bible is starkly honest. Like you can't read the Bible without being struck by how honest the Bible is, even about its heroes, like uh, Abraham or Moses or David or Peter. They have just glaring weaknesses. And the reason you know that is because the Bible just shows that. It shows them as they are, and it does it for a reason, because God wants you to know that they're just like you you sinners just like you. You are not alone. And the Psalms are the same. The same guy who wrote Psalm 100, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth, serve the Lord with gladness, come into his presence with singing, is the guy who wrote, because of my loud groaning, my bones cling to my flesh. I'm like a desert owl of the wilderness, like an owl of the waste places. What God is saying to you is, you're not alone. No matter where you are, no matter what is going on in your life, whether you have come today just going, I can't wait to get there and worship, or you dragged yourself here, and you're thinking you, are, you feel like you are under an avalanche of grief. All right, so here are the three points that I want to pull out of this psalm that I think the psalmist is teaching us when we feel afflicted, when life is really hard the first thing he teaches us is to pray our pain. Pray your pain. Pray your pain. Then pray for comfort. And finally, rest in hope. Pray your pain. Pray for comfort. Rest in hope. First, pray your pain. Now, I've been in ministry for like 40 years. And it's not uncommon for me throughout these last Four decades to talk to people who are in the midst of terrible, terrible grief. I mean, something really bad has happened, and they feel the pressure of kind of holding themselves together for the sake of others. Like, it's easy to feel that pressure, particularly if you have non Christian friends or family that you feel like are watching you to see if your faith makes any difference, right? But that pressure itself can be crushing. That's not what the psalmist does. The psalmist prays his. Pain. Listen to the first 11 verses. Hear my prayer, O Lord, let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me, answer me speedily in the day when I call, for my days pass away like smoke. My bones burn like a furnace. My heart is struck down like grass and has withered. I forget to eat my bread. Because of my loud groaning, my bones cling to my flesh. I'm like a desert owl, the wilderness. Like an owl of the waste places, I lie awake. I'm like a lonely sparrow on the housetop. All the day, my enemies taunt me. Those who deride me use my name for a curse, for I eat ashes like bread, mingle tears with my drink. Because of your indignation and anger, you have taken me up and thrown me down. My days are like an evening shadow. I wither away like grass. Psalmist isn't trying to hold, not trying to put on a good face, hold it together. He talks about grief and loss of appetite and sleeplessness and isolation and signs of clinical depression. He just lets, there's something liberating about this. And the thing that is causing his pain is that everything is passing away. He can feel it like slipping through his fingers. You know, for me, most days are like every other day. Like, I woke up today, I felt about the same as I did yesterday. Uh, I, I feel like I look about the same as I did yesterday. I don't often think of my life like this hourglass where the days are slipping by, where my life is draining away. But there are some moments of life where that is inescapable. You know, my wife and I have lost all four parents in a very short amount of time. And we have found ourselves, and we talked about this, that now we feel like we're the ones that are in the front of that moving sidewalk where it feels like we're heading, you know, where our parents went. And so are you. Right? If you're over 50, I don't know, if you're younger than 50, this may not happen, but I feel like time is going so fast. It's already July of 2023. It's half, the year's halfway done. I haven't even gotten used to writing 2023 yet. Right? And it's going to be 2024, and it seems like we're on a, I'm on a roller coaster where when I was young, it was like clicking up the hill, and it was going slow, and then I've, I've crested the hill, and now there are no brakes. I'm just flying down. Right? The psalmist puts words to things we don't want to think about. The psalmist is saying, nothing lasts. Everything I love... Everything I have, everything I want, everything I am is slowly going away. What's going on? You know, when you get that terrible diagnosis or when a good friend of yours passes away and your heart breaks, that doesn't cause your existential angst at that moment. It just uncovers it. You've always known that life is slipping away. You just don't think about it. I say the same thing at every funeral. Nobody listens. I don't even listen. <laughs> be honest, I'll say, listen, we are all of us mortal. We will all one day stand where this person stands. It's like I'm holding up the hourglass and saying, this is you. This is you. Think about it. Even for a minute. I was out in the atrium uh, not too long ago, and I was talking to a young couple. They had little kids and I don't know what prompted the conversation, but I started talking about how quickly kids grow up. And I was saying, you know, there are milestones you can't miss. You know, it, you put your, your child on the bus for the first time, you know that something's happening, that there's this milestone, this chapter is turning. They graduate from high school, it's a milestone. You give them away in marriage, right? It's a milestone, all those things. And then I was saying, but there are some things that happen that you, you don't know. like. You'll never know the last time you carry your daughter to bed. You'll never know the last time your son grabs your hand because he's afraid. Right? And I'm waxing eloquent. I look up at their eyes and they're like, (laughs) (laughs) big tears in their eyes. I'm going, listen, I'm sorry. I got to go now. (laughs) Right? That's what the psalmist is saying. The psalmist is is saying you can go ahead and say it. You can cry out to God when those times come and you realize that everything you hold dear will one day slip away. The psalmist cries out. He didn't try to hold it together. He, he praises his pain, right? But somehow he ends up in verse 28 saying, the children of your servants shall dwell secure. Their offspring shall be established before you. And the question is, how does he get there? He doesn't just stay in his pain. He begins to pray for comfort. That's my second point. So the psalmist, he's depressed. He is uh, staring into the abyss. He's holding the hourglass and knowing that everything is going away. And what's he do to pull out of it? He doesn't go on a, on a new diet, right? He doesn't pamper himself and go buy a red sports car like, you know, uh, a midlife crisis. By the way, if, if you drove a red sports car to church this morning, you can just hang out with me and we'll walk out after everybody leaves, right? <laughs> what he does is he reminds himself of the one that is outside of the hourglass, the one who doesn't change, the one who will not go away. This is what he says in verse 12. But you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. You are remembered throughout all generations. The fact that God is outside of time isn't just amazing. In some ways, it's the only thing that will comfort us when we realize that we are in the hourglass. And this is what I mean. I remember uh, hearing it explained like this one time that um, when you go out on a clear night and you look up at the stars, you're not seeing the stars. You're seeing the light, From the stars. The stars are so far away, some of them many, many light years away, that astronomers will say that it's it's very likely that some of the stars that you see, like if you see a shooting star that burned out years and years and years ago, you just happen to see the final part of the light get to you. But then I had a professor who said, I want you to imagine a being big enough to encompass the star that is light years away, 10,000 light years away, and the earth at the same time. That he's so big that he encompasses everything. That means he sees everything at the same time. He sees the star burn out. He sees the earth experiencing the light. He sees all of that. That is outside of time. And the reason that can be comforting is this. The God sees all of you, all of you, and He still loves you. You know, He sees not only the days that have gone by; He sees the days that are not yet, and still He loves you. This is the time of weddings, right? And I've gone to three weddings in the last five weeks, and uh, that's you know you hear them say for better or for worse, and they have no idea what that means. And when they get to the worst part, some of them will get to the worst part and it'll shock them and they'll want to walk away. That never happens to God with you because he already knows. There is nothing, nobody knows you like that. You don't even know you like that. God does and still he has decided to love you. That is amazing. But the other thing is this, Because God knows all that, because he's outside of time, you're never on plan B with God. You know, there's never been a time in my life where I made a decision and God was going, oh my gosh, look what Joe did. Now i got to rework everything, right? That's not what he does. God knows, so you're not on plan B. That's why Paul the Apostle can say in Romans 8, but God works all things for good to those who love him. You know why? because he's eternal. he is outside of time. He's not stuck in the hourglass, all right? So that's where the psalmist goes for comfort. He prays his pain. He he doesn't shy away from it. He doesn't try to put a good face on, hold it together. He says, this is how I feel. This is awful. I hate losing everything. But I remind myself that you are the one who is outside of time, and you love me. And then finally, he rests in hope. Look at what he says in verses uh, 23 through 28. He says, he has broken my strength in mid-course. He has shortened my days. Oh my God, I say, take me not away in the midst of my days. You whose years endure throughout all generations... Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you're the same, and your years have no end. The children of your servants shall dwell secure. Their offspring shall be established before you. He says a ton there. He starts out by saying, you're cutting my life short. This isn't what I thought. I thought I would last longer. I thought the sand wouldn't run out so fast. And then he says, but the you are one that is beyond all of this. He says the foundations of the earth and the heavens will wear out like an old garment. That's what are you saying? He's saying at least this, that God is not permanently committed to anything except you. God is not permanently committed to the foundations of the heavens and the earth. They will wear out like a garment, but not you. And I know that because of John chapter 14, right? Jesus and I talked about this a few weeks ago, that the disciples are with Jesus. They're getting scared because they they can feel that something's about to happen. They're afraid they might die. And so they're saying, God or Jesus, what's going to happen When the sand goes through the hourglass and Jesus says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and take you to be with me. That where I am, you may be also. What's he saying? He's saying that one day, one day you will be with me. The whole earth and the heavens may wear out like a garment, but not you. You will be with me. You know, whenever uh, I feel afflicted, whenever this hits me, whatever happens, and I think, man, I don't, I don't understand, and I am grieving, and I'm hurting, and I'm depressed, I always think of the same story. And it's my favorite story because it helps me with understanding hope, and this is the story. And you might, you've probably heard it before, but this is it. When I was 26 years old, My brother and I were leading a mission trip to Bolivia, South America. It was a basketball trip. We had a basketball team with us. We traveled around. We played games in uh, villages where we stayed away from big cities. We played some in big cities, but mostly we went to small towns because everyone would come out to see us play, and then at halftime we could tell them about Jesus. So that's what we were doing. But that meant that when we were staying in small towns, the amenities were not great. Right, and we stayed in flop houses where, when I say that, I mean there was one bathroom for five rooms. And sometimes it had running water, sometimes it didn't, never had a shower. There was never hot water. Uh, at one point during the trip, we didn't have any like drinkable water, so we had to drink Cokes all the time. So after we played a game, we would drink like 64 ounces of Coke and then try to fall asleep. It's <laughs> wild. Right? And this one part of the trip, uh, we were very, very tired. We were about to take an all-night train ride through the mountains of southern Bolivia where it's cold. You know, it's in the southern hemisphere, so the further south you get, the colder it gets. And before I had dysentery, before we got on the train, uh, I got sick. It was terrible. I I won't go into that. But we got on the train, and we were going from a town called Uyuni to a town called Wanuni. So we knew. We knew what it was going to be like. We knew it would be the same kind of flop house, all that. So we got in. And we started this all-night train ride. And it was super cold, and the windows wouldn't shut. And we pulled all of our stuff out of our bags, and we were kind of huddled there trying to sleep. And I remember it was about 3 o'clock in the morning. I was in that twilight between sleepfulness and wakefulness. And I heard somebody crying, like, in the distance. And I thought, that's sad. And I came to a little bit more, and I I realized it was a man who was crying, and I thought, that's pitiful. And then I came to a little bit more, and I realized it was me. I was just going <laughs> I had never been more miserable. I mean, I was just, it was so cold, it was so terrible, right? So we finally get to uh, Wanuni, and we send everybody ahead of us, because we, we know what the flop house is gonna be like. We're, my brother and I are standing there waiting for the last uh, cab, and we're not even talking. And we load our stuff and we end up going around a corner and we see this building, it's like five stories. We hadn't seen a five story building in two weeks. And at the top of the building were big lit up letters. And the the letters said, Hotel Terminal. And like, it it was like a mirage. We were going, do do you see that? And he said, yeah, yeah, I see it. So we get out, we walk into, there's like a lobby and we sign that on like an old fashioned book that you used to sign. And we got a key and we went to our room And I opened up the room, and I was going, we have our own bathroom. Brian, we have our own bathroom. I went to the bathroom, I threw open the curtain. I was going, two knobs. There are two knobs, right? And I turned on the hot water knob, and hot water just came flowing out. We took a hot shower, and then we went downstairs with the rest of the team. We had steak and eggs, and we laughed. We laughed till the tears rolled down our cheeks. And we didn't laugh because the hotel was so nice, nobody goes to the Ritz Carlton and just starts laughing because it's so nice. We laughed because of how bad the night had been before. My teammates were saying, coffee, were you crying? And I was like, maybe. In the midst of that train ride, you would never be able to convince me that by the morning I'd be laughing. You just wouldn't be able to do it. Some of you are in such pain right now because you have felt the loss. And no one can convince you that someday you will experience such joy. And some of that joy will be connected to the hardness of what you feel right now. Nobody can convince you of that. I'm trying to now because it's true. Uh, I read St. Teresa of Avila said this, that all the suffering of this life when compared to heaven will be like a single night in an inconvenient hotel. She's right. So this is what I want to tell you. This is the prayer of an afflicted man. Listen, if you feel afflicted, if you are hurting now, you are not alone. The psalmist says, pray your pain. Don't try to hold it together. Let it all out, but don't just stay there. Then remind yourself that the God who loves you is outside of time and that Jesus, because he was afflicted for us because of his death and resurrection, he will one day bring you to himself and then you will laugh till the tears roll down your cheeks. I promise. God promises.